Look at the adjective. Play. Now is the franchise going to take the Viagra? Oh, going to put the butts in the seat. Hello there, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode number 34 of the Cos WCW, the podcast where the big boys play. My name is the Twisted Genius, Dean Ayers, and I am joined as ever by my esteemed colleague, sports columnist and journalist, Liam Happ. Good evening to you, Liam. Good evening to you, Dean. Uh, well, I figure this is the 34th episode might actually be the perfect time to spring that classic introductory English conversation starter about the weather. So I don't know about Dan for you on the South Coast, but for us here in London, it's well, it's been five different shades of weather so far. It, it's been it's been all right, Danny. It's been nice and sunny. We don't get the same temperatures as London. We have the cooling sea breeze. Yeah, well, we had sunshine, we had rain. We had sunshine, we had rain. We had sunshine, we had wind. We had rain, we had clouds. We had sunshine, we had rain. We had, and you get the drift. And the one thing we didn't yeah. have was a fucking rainbow. And considering I was out for the day with my three-year-old daughter, we would have loved the rainbow as a payoff for all this shit. Yes, it's what you expect. Exactly. It's the one thing that makes it worthwhile. All the head games that the weather offers here in England, you want a fucking rainbow in the fucking sky. And hopefully that's me flushing all the swearing out in advance. (laughs) But having seen a little uh, synopsis of this Nitro episode in advance, I have to say the, the smart money's against that. Well, last week's Nitro, or the last, the previous week of Nitro that we saw was the first one that wasn't all that good, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I'd say if we went past foul for me, it was uh, seven passes, to be fair, for various reasons. And yeah, it was hard to justify that one, especially for a go-home show. Although, as we discussed, the the, the art of the go-home TV show wasn't really there. And as I think we're going to find with this episode... The whole juggle between a regular TV show and pay-per-view still wasn't there either. Yeah, this was it was a different era. Um, this is where you you had WWF, WCW competing with uh, with pay-per-views. One one week, one the next week. So I think this had uh, this was the week after Halloween Havoc had been a week after um, in your house, but um, it seemed that. More people watch the TV show than watch the pay-per-views, which is understandable. So you, you'd kind of think, you know, this this episode, whereas the, obviously the go-home is to try and make you buy the pay-per-view, not that it seemed to work particularly well. You you'd hope that this would uh, would inform the cheapskate viewers who didn't didn't buy the pay-per-view exactly what has happened um, in. It on the pay-per-view and make make yeah make them watch the next one because Halloween Havoc '95 was pretty eventful. Yeah, I mean you'd think the general aim, regardless of the exact model, is you want to tie people in to the week by week happenings so they feel like they cannot miss the next one. You don't need a massive shock factor to a contract, I don't think. You want to get them attached to what's going on so that it's almost a habit to check out what happens in the next episode. And that has to run through TV and pay-per-views. 
even if they don't buy, say, this month's pay-per-view, you keep them up to speed with things and make them think, oh, well, maybe I should catch the next one. Uh, well, I've got a funny yeah. thing. We're about to find out why they weren't really that good at that. Obviously, they get yes. a little bit better when the New World Order come along, and I'm very much looking forward to that part of the watch-alongs. But until so, then... Um... <laughs> Yeah, so um, we'll are we are we gonna we'll leave it uh, as we'll as as we we'll watch it as it happens and see if we can work out what happens and how we have it ninety five from the nitro episode. I yeah, guess, so. let's let's try and approach okay. it from a fresh face and obviously we know enough to to you know if they if they completely leave us in the dark in a few areas which might well be the case we can easily patch the gaps for those those people attempting to do the episode and the watch along. We can do yes. what those fucking commentators couldn't for some reason. Listen up, slap nuts. That's right. This is Jeff Jarrett, the chosen one. And you're listening to Because WCW. Now choke on that. So, um, yeah, if you are if you are wanting to watch this episode along with us, then um, we have got uh, we've we've fired up the old WWE network. Um, this is episode number nine of monday nitro from october the 30th 1995 um and we've 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 hit play we've got all the adverts out the way and we've got it paused on zero 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 um this episode was coming from the hara arena in dayton ohio which was recently in the news because it's um it's been taken out of commission a couple of years ago and it was destroyed by a tornado last week i believe oh no so uh, yeah so uh, there is it hadn't as i say it was out of use uh, a little while ago but there is now not much of the hara arena left from what i understand so um Hopefully our uh, our loyal beloved listeners are are poised. Uh, Liam, are you equally poised? I'm always poised. Are you ready for some burning buildings? It's time for those burning buildings, isn't it? Yep. Okay. So we will press play in three, two, one, play. Here we go. And uh, here come those burning buildings. Yes. I was worried I was going to be a bit delayed behind you because I was getting that loading circle, but I think I'm in sync. Well, um, I've just got Lex Luger and Sting, so that's where I'm at in their yeah. little you poses. Maybe a second yeah. ahead of me, but that'll do. That'll ah, do. we can, we can live. Nobody's that. perfect, except for Mister Perfect. So the pyro's going off. Do you remember the? The days where they had pyro for everything. Yeah, it was a bit needless, but then it goes and you miss the razzle dazzle. I suppose it had the desired effect. Dayton, Ohio, such a such a glorious mid-level wrestling town, wasn't it? It wasn't mm. terrible. It wasn't deaf. I think it did business on and off throughout touring con- companies, I should say. Yeah. But and uh, and Mongo's dog Pepe has got his Halloween costume on. Oh dear, and a little pumpkin, a little jack o' lantern. Yes. As soon as the footage arrives, they're going to discuss what happened at the pay-per-view, which shows that that, that is a great commentary, uh, art imitating life when it comes to WCW production competence. When the footage arrives of the yeah. show that they hosted themselves. Yeah. That makes sense. With the same trucks that would have followed them to this arena. Yeah. I'm trying to work out what's, what Bobby Heenan's tie is. It looks kind of interesting. Yeah. 
But the, the commentators oh. are all in unison about portraying this as a big shocking pay, which is a sort of tone you want to give, give you that mystique. But anyone who actually watches Havoc 95 is soon going to be burned by their attempts at hyping it. And that's the thing. Oh. The macho man isn't isn't here. Yeah, he, he took a beating. Now, didn't Savage have a legit injury at the time? I think it was an elbow problem or something that he was carrying. Because and... I remember the match with Kurosawa, he didn't do much because he was injured. He was definitely injured around this time. I'm, I feel mm. like on a previous watch-along, we laughed about the fact that they would actually put the world title on him at the very next pay-per-view. Oh, even yes. though he had some issues. So, Craig Pittman's coming up, and apparently he was going to wrestle Savage, and that's going to be Eddie Guerrero instead because of the events of the pay-per-view. And that was probably the most confusing match at Halloween Havoc 95 was Savage versus Luger, and they're trying to do this tweener issue, aren't they, between the two. And they've also set up a thing where they've actually got singles matches on the card, and if they get through yes. them each, they fight each other. And that's where it gets really confusing. Yeah, because Luger took on Meng, and Savage... Um, I couldn't look it up. Another Dungeon of Doom. Savage member, wasn't it? took on Zodiac. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So they both had Dungeon of Doom hurdles to overcome. You know, like all the other hurdles they've overcome every week because it's the worst hill faction in fucking history. Yeah. But um, so if I'm making noise, my headset that was an accident. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the real meat of it was those two wrestling, and we got a really nonsensical finish and well, apparent hill turn. But I'm sure we'll cover that. So uh, this is going to be a test for Eddie Guerrero in the. He's got a green as grass guy twice his size to get a good match out of, but we shall see how he does. Well, regardless of someone's ability to have four or five star matches per se, Eddie Guerrero was brilliant in that he was very good at holding someone's hand in a wrestling match. So he's probably the perfect oh. guy to be wrestling a Pitman and helping him out in these in his early days on in the well, early this, days of yeah. T V show no less as well. Yeah, this will be interesting to see. And you especially see, having of... seen, uh... oh god, sorry. sorry, I was going to say, especially having recently seen the vaunted uh, Tom McGee Bret Hart match, huge kind of takedown come suplex there from uh, Pittman. I still need Look... to watch McGee Hart, so I'm going to lean on you for some comparisons between the two. But the first thing I noticed is lots of tussling, lots of grappling. And I'm sure you can attest firsthand when you've seen Greenhorns in the ring that that's generally a, a common thing you'll see. Plenty of amateur style grabbing and holding because it's simple, yeah. it's basic. You you look busy and, even yeah. though you're not doing much. And didn't um didn't Pittman have an amateur background? Big suplex mm. from uh, Guerrero now. He's kind of turned the tables on Pittman. He just yeah, taps sure, into I'm his sure opponent's was... mode, doesn't he? Yeah. He really does. It makes it, he's, he's wrestling their match. Yeah. And then big, big sells now. Big selling from Eddie. So they've absolutely subbed in the right guy. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that this was the plan because obviously this is a, a savage angle they're running. But as you said, the injury might have 
I've not I've not looked up the little inside aspects of this particular week's episode. Sometimes it's nicer just to go in to these cold. We research the pay-per-views, but it's nice mm-hmm. to go into these cold sometimes. Uh, so I'm uh, not exactly sure about the savage situation, but maybe this was a late switch. And if so, Eddie's your man. He really is. He was so good. I mean, I know I'm stating the bleeding obvious, but yeah, he was so good, Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, as I said, there's, um, there's a lot to be said about it for how many good matches and you know, when you use that scale for it. But if you go really under the hoods like some of us are, are sad enough to do, <laughs> or should I use the word passionate, so like some of us are passionate enough to do, uh, you, you see his real uh, talent, really. It was, this is where he yeah. was second to none. That was uh, Ed, Craig Pittman with one of the worst clotheslines I've seen this side of Lex Luger. Yeah, it was a nice Eddie, hard smack, but it. yeah, it was a nice hard smack. But his arm kind of <laughs> it, it it looks about as fierce as a Lance Storm chair shot. <laughs> but um, as you say, Eddie is holding on to him a lot of the time, and he is clearly guiding him through the match. Yeah, Roll up that went badly wrong there, but. Hey. <laughs> He had his arm trapped for a schoolboy. Worth noting that Guerrero got good reaction coming out. We we noted that in a couple Ooh. of others where, you know, he's not one of the big stars, but people were seeing him regularly. As better as he is as a heel, he's a good white meat baby face. He was getting good reactions so because he's a regular on TV and pay per view as well and. And right now, and the you fans know you, are sitting on their hands. <laughs> yeah, and you know you get a good match out of him. But yeah, it's, um, Pittman's getting some heat. Oh, big suplex. That got a little bit of a reaction there. Pittman's getting some heat on him, but he doesn't know how to work the crowd too much at this point. Because he's, yeah, cause he is, he is a, a, a rookie. But I've got to think, had this been Savage against him, Savage wouldn't have wanted to, wouldn't have wanted to have given him too much, I'd have thought. So he's probably done a hell of a lot better by having Eddie Guerrero here with him. Well, on the one hand, I think Savage would have been having him, you know, punch him and kick him and clothesline him and body slam. It's still basic stuff. Uh, and Savage would have sold and sold and sold and then come back and hit the axe handles and the elbow. We we talked about that on a previous watch along. Hey, he does that mm. semi-squash, I like to call it. Where he ba- he basically squashes an opponent, but he sells a lot for them first to get sympathy. Then he runs through the usual. Um, I know so Pittman likes to oh, trap nice the arm. Oh, nice springboard crossbody there. Oh, that was good. Yes. Very nice. Pittman traps the, way, the arm just, um, on the lot of offense. Yeah, there, that was an arm trap suplex there. So yeah, he's been I, doing um, it on everything. Way, yeah, I looked up um I looked up the uh, wrestling observer for that week and it just said that Savage had a legit injury. I don't know what the legit injury was, but it was yeah, he was out. Yeah. Oh, kind of gut wrench power bomb there. Really looked nice. I mean, he's a big strong guy. Hmm. Yeah, he's and these moves look very very believable, but oh, nice. Twisting body scissors into a roll, and Eddie gets the Eddie gets the pinfall pretty much out of nowhere. Just as Pittman's starting to uh, starting to get some offense, and Pittman's doing his best heel work. Now he's been pinned with the the look on his face, the shock of being pinned. Actually, yeah, uh, you know what? 
the body of that match was pretty damn good. They told a decent little story. It had a good dichotomy. Pittman was extremely rough around the edges, but for a five-minute TV match, mm. like, give me that every week. I won't complain. I'd ask for Definitely. it to be a little less uh, awkward, and I'll never get my head... If anyone who's listening can explain that arm trap situation for me, if there's a reason for that, because I'd imagine like a wrestler on the receiving end would find it quite restrictive a lot of the times. I, I do oh, know the arm, arm yeah. trap super. I know we've got a few listeners in the industry. I'm hoping someone will pull me up and explain. I'd love to know. He, but even on the schoolboy, the schoolboy screwed up because he trapped one of Eddie's arms as he rolled him up in the schoolboy. Uh, we have... Uh, oh, I remember this one. Looking back to when the shark got knocked into Scott Norton's legs. It was a savage. cool finish. I like that. It was a cool finish, but, but surely there should have been a disqualification by the fact that Shark was in the ring. Do you know what? In that instance, I think you got a smart referee would do what a football referee would do, is put two arms out and play advantage. Play the advantage. Yeah, no, it's true though, isn't it? He's clearly attempting to impede the other guy. A disqualification is a cheaper win than a pinfall. If it backfires, you play advantage. You let the, you let the guy get his pinfall. Mm. I think that's a fair assertion to make. Fair dues. Well, here comes uh, our Shark. mate Penzer's in the ring. Have I mentioned hey. that Dave Penzer's our mate? <laughs> and That's you can uh, you can uh, you can hear him on. Just trying to find the number <laughs> of the episode. Search uh, search the ring announcers is the name of the episode. Twenty three. Twenty three. Yes. Episode twenty three. Very Dave fun Penzer episode. Great insight on Michael Buffer, Chris Jericho, and more. Mm. I always feel sorry for John Tenter because whatever gimmick he went for in WCW, nothing was ever going to touch the earthquake gimmick. There was kind of this feeling that he had to be a cartoonish hill. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know whether that was the right assertion or not because... Oh, I mean, everyone loved John Tenta. He, he seemed, apparently, by second-hand accounts, he was the nicest guy in wrestling. But he was absolutely lovely. Yes, but he did. He, of, uh, he definitely had a ceiling. So maybe, maybe it was never going to get any better than this. But this is a host battle, and there's nothing wrong yeah. with a good host battle on TV, especially straight after having a a plucky baby face use his technical prowess to get a win. This is a good contrast. Yeah, so we've had a belly-to-belly suplex and a big elbow drop from Shark. And I can't emphasise how bloody massive John Tenter was. He doesn't necessarily look at here because he's with Scott Norton, who's also massive, but he was just huge. When it comes Both to pro wrestlers, yeah, when it comes to pro wrestlers, especially in this era, there are a lot of guys his height and taller. Look at the just the overall, as you said, both height. And if you combine the two, not many people Whoa. had that sort of a oh, big body slam. Yes, I'll give you an example. Can you remember Earthquake's debut in the WWF? 
Yeah, where he sat on um, was he sat on Dino Bravo's back? He was supposed to be someone out in the crowd. They did he? the trick where oh yeah, we we want the biggest man in the crowd. It was a very clever trick because even though he was sat all the way in the nosebleed seats, when Jimmy Hart asked for the biggest man to sit on Dino Bravo's back while he did push-ups, the whole crowd he they all pointed him out because he was so big compared to your normal man. He stood out. Mm. So you, the camera went over and you've got like 50 pointing arms all pointing at this guy, pick him, pick him. And they think they've got him a spot on the show, but they knew he stood out size wise so much that, that he was naturally going to be drawn to it. It was really well done. But the point of that is, is that he really, did stand out amongst all those people in the crowd to a, to a scary yeah. degree. That's Bobby Heenan schmoozing with Sonny Ono somewhere. Yes. Is that set up in the arena, I'm guessing, because he was just on commentary? It must be, because he, he was in the commentary booth before, so yeah, it must mm. be somewhere nearby. But, um... They've got, they've got the ladies in frocks. They've got, like, a banquet table of food. And they're in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. Yeah, if I was going to have a banquet anywhere in the world, it would be in Dayton, Ohio. Exactly. They've probably so been on Man Burke's a... food, in fairness. <laughs> yes. They're just brawling outside the ring, and I, I'm imagining this is a double count-out. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad it didn't go any longer because yeah. for what it was, they could have easily done this in a in a minute less, really. But yeah, yeah. Not, it less was short enough. Three minutes. Yeah. This is just to carry this feud on. I'd imagine there'll be further matches. He just rammed Shark's head into the uh, WCW, the big steel WCW sign. That looking at that is made out of bits of ring steps. I think it looks like it's got the same metal pattern on yeah. it. That's what they should be used for. It does. It's a nice sight to see someone's head smack off that. Yes, yeah, so and we're back sounds. there with uh, Bobby Heenan and Sonny Ono. Trying to hear what Heenan's saying. Not sure. I can't make out what they're talking about. He's but... talking about WCW's TV programs. Ono's got an envelope to hand to Heenan. Some sort Heenan's of Sam just... Allardyce-esque business still, I think. Yes, he's tucking it into his shirt and hosting some champagne. Borderline Harry Redknapp. Yes. Do you think Bobby Heenan had a bank account in the name of his dog? Potentially. There's a slight resemblance. The slightest of resemblance between Redknapp and Heenan. <laughs> okay, we've got Tony Schiavone. Now, he'd be someone awesome to get on this show. But um, he's a zero fucks given kind of guy. Which, at, first off, I love that. But secondly, I think he'd be like, "Why the fuck we want to do that and talk about WCW?" <laughs> but I'd love to have him on. We can always try. Here we go. We got the footage has arrived, Liam, from Halloween Havoc. So they did the old. They attacked Flair before the match, so he didn't come out for the start. You'll note that was yep. similar to how Sting didn't come out for the start of their tag match on Nitro. Yes. So it's so it's Sting alone for about six minutes. Then Flair came out. He had a bandage his on head his head. He's still wearing yeah, his is... slacks, I think. 
and yeah, he's begging for the tag. Yeah, the moment he made the tag, he literally came in, bounced off the ropes, and punched Sting in the face. Then we get the three-on-one beatdown. And as I said on a previous one, it it was a weird swerve to do from the start. If they have some sort of explanation, I'd like to hear that when Sting actually left Flair to fight them by himself to test him, that pissed him off and thought, you know what, I am going to put the band back together. That I'd like to hear, but let's see what they say. And a big pop just for the names being announced. This venue looks tiny. I mean, it is because... It's intimate. I like it. Pillman looking fucking mental. Flair looking cool as anything. So had Benoit joined the Horseman by... Well, clearly Benoit hadn't joined the Horseman by this stage. Not I've answered my own question. Yeah. Really, no. I think they're going to tease a fourth Horseman. And obviously it's, it's not one that have much fanfare, but there'd be, there'd, be, there'd be potential hypothetically of a Benoit-Pillman team, but they never really went that direction. Especially when the loose cannon stuff started picking up ahead of steam. Mm. So I want to know if, if the whole Anderson-Flair feud was part of the setup to lose Sting in or what? Pillman first. Pillman is uh, just recapping what happened. So if I was watching this without having ordered the pay-per-view, I'm very clear here about what has happened. It's, it's obvious what's happened. That's all That's all good. Yeah, they're keeping people abreast. If if not for the, uh, the, the toilet paper monster having sex with their world champion, you'd think, oh, maybe I should watch the next one. <laughs> here comes on. Now, here's a man you might tie it all together. When are you going to put the horseman back together? Be careful what you wish for. He's putting Sting over. He's putting Sting over, yes. This is exactly... I did a promo seminar last weekend in um, Portsmouth School of Wrestling. (laughs) And this is exactly what I was saying to people. Look at Pillman. Look at Pillman. Yes. They're mo- they're mocking the hot tag between Sting and Flair while Arn talks. That was glorious. Soon they'll be four. There's the first tease. Sorry. Say again. They've they, they Arn has basically implied that a fourth horseman is on his way. Ah, okay. So yeah, they've. Here's Flair. Flair's going nuts. Well, he has to try and one-up Pillman now. <laughs> Flair's just popping out the catchphrases. Yeah. It's run through the great hits. Yeah. <laughs> Pillman is epic in this. Flair is comparing Sting to women they deal with every night. They tell him what he wants to hear. <laughs> and then they get rid of him. That was good. So this is a good promo. We've had no actual explanation for whether or not it's a swerve. But 
this is where someone who thrives on continuity such as myself will convince myself that 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 the plot was put together after Sting left Flair to test him. That's what I'm telling myself, but I never actually picked up on that. Coming up next on that graphic, we've got uh, Sabu and Disco Inferno. That's your you dream match. If you can say match. style clash. That is your dream match. Oh, no, is, I stand corrected. Flair and Arn versus Renegade and Cobra on WCW Saturday night. That's your dream match. I wonder who's going to win that one. Blue Blood's getting a tag title shot, though. Yeah. When do we start the Saturday night watch-alongs? <laughs> oh, i got to say, i got to add in quickly. This Saturday, 6.05 was the tagline on that advert. 6.05. Did you see some of the uh, All Elite announcements being set for 6.05? No, I didn't I love that. that. They've, no. been, they've been checking how some trademarks for things like Halloween Havoc could stand up over the last six months or so. And uh, little things like that, it's clear. Obviously, they they can't legally do a reenactment of WCW by name, but it's clear they want the yeah. spirit of what was good about WCW in All Elite Wrestling. And obviously, yeah, we, we know there's plenty get, of that. Yeah, they're, they're trying to get the lapsed fan, basically, aren't they? Yes. Was... So here comes Disco Inferno, who's actually got a match this time, rather than just dancing and then being interrupted by someone. That's a shame. He should go back to that, really. <laughs> nice white Three soap. people are dancing. <laughs> I wonder how Sabu felt about getting this match. Well, by the end of the month, he'd be back in ECW, so draw your own so that gives us Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that gives us an answer. Back in ECW where he was told he'd never be welcome again, you mean? So, Sabu, the previous night of Halloween Havoc, the wrestler yep, who... JL. Yep, yeah, the, the, the wrestler Sabu who'd be gone by the end of the month, defeated Mr. JL, who they actually put over in a really good tag match either last week or the week before. I think it was actually a week ago. And uh, then the Sheik put a fireball in his face for no reason. So, nothing about this Sabu Dozdebi run makes sense. Listen to our oh, previous God. watch-alongs when he's done Nitro matches. The whole thing was just a waste of time. He just he, he was not a fit in WCW. It was one of those things where, you know, bear, bear in mind, 1995, he was one of the hottest commodities, independent commodities in wrestling. And, uh, and, and everyone wanted him, but no one knew what to do with him. We also saw a kind of Lee. why didn't we? Because, you know, as things wore on, he'd go back to ECW for a, a long period and some, some of the botches, some of the roughness, some of the unreliability, and you, you'd see it just weren't worth the trouble. And I know a few people in this actual country have had first-hand experiences in recent years that they, that had never actually changed. Well, I couldn't possibly comment, other than I've worked with him <laughs> once recently in IPW and, well, he hasn't come back, so draw your own conclusions. That's, That's all, all I need to, know, to really. say. <laughs> but yeah, and somehow he's resurfaced in Impact Wrestling. Mm. Wow. There was a point about a year ago where Impact had people convinced that they're really going to bounce back and at least be a good alternative. And in a rat, it's dovetailed with All Elite Wrestling coming out of the out of the ground floor. 
is Impact started to regress and people are now wanting to jump shift from Impact to All Elite and they're left with oh, Sabu. Don't blame them. The money's going to be a hell of a lot better in uh, in AEW. Well, um, Sabu's not giving Disco Inferno an awful lot. Disco's getting a few forearms and stuff in, but then Sabu pops straight back up again and no-sells the offense, goes straight back to kicking and punching him in the stomach. This has, this has been three, three very weird wrestling matches so far. Really, really rough. And I was kind of digging it at first because Guerrero and Pittman did enough to entertain. There was a good story being told. And the Hoss Sabu battle gets can the be win. tolerated. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Sabu gets the win with a, a, a springboard, or not a springboard, a, a flipping leg drop over the ropes. He's carrying on attacking Disco. That was a very short match that really didn't flow whatsoever. Oh, I think they did it a favour by making it shorter than some of his other Nitro matches because they were crap as well. Yeah. At least if oh, jeez, what happened there? He went for a diving Hurricane Rana and Disco looked like he maybe dropped him or something. There's a, he looked there's like he came to a power dressed, bomb. There's an old bloke dressed like uh, Hulk Hogan in the front row. Like in full gear, he's like a Hulk Hogan full kit wanker. It's amazing. Fret not, it's not the actual Terry Blair. We know that because he wears black now. He's really cool and hip. It it might have <laughs> been the Huckster. Yeah, or even oh, Sullivan's now got a table. Oh, I can appreciate that at least. Why get fancy with a table when you can just pick it up and ram it into someone's head? Yeah. That's how furniture will be used in a fight in a kebab shop, so why not? Sabu now can't get the fucking legs straight. Should have stuck to hitting with it. Just belting with it again. Go on. Apparently he could end Disco Inferno's uh, WCW career when actually it's going to be uh, Sabu whose career ends. This is telegraphing that Disco's going to get out of the way because he's on the edge of the table and the ref's right there to push him out of the way and the table hasn't fucking broken. You fucking idiot. I am the table. Sorry. Oh, Sabu's now going to lose his rag on live television, I reckon. Yeah, he's just chucked the table. He's no-selling it. He's now lobbing the steps. Well, that was all worth it, wasn't it? Oh, what a mess. At least it's they easy bought, for them to... they, they... Sorry, go for it. I was just going to say, it's easy for them to say that's in his character, but he's completely no-sold. Pretty much being powerbombed on the floor. Yeah. Then landed on a table that doesn't break. Jesus wept. Bye, Sabu. Don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. Like I said, it was one of those things they just did not know what to do with him. Oh, you're kidding me. So yeah, Is that Dungeon of Doom music? It is. We're about to have Lex Luger and Meng teaming up under Dungeon of Doom umbrella. Because now Luger's a full-fledged heel. He's been showing little signs, obviously, since he showed up at the first Nitro. Yeah, high five with Jimmy, Jimmy Hart, Hart who himself, by the way, turned heel because he was with Hogan last week, wasn't he? He turned heel at the point of course. But yeah, what annoys me black. is that these two worked a 17-minute pay-per-view match, which was about as exciting as you can imagine, especially since we got a taster of how tedious these two in singles competition can be on Nitro a few weeks ago. 
And oh, they, yes. worked, they worked this match. It was a really confusing finish, which was supposed to make sense like at the end of the pay-per-view, and it still looks stupid. And now Bischoff's trying to paint this as, oh, yeah, all the hostility was a setup all along. This is what I was wary of with the flare angle as well. When you say, says, you basically shit on four weeks of storytelling where people were allegedly fighting each other to say it was a sad Paul Long. No, that's clearly not what happened here. Learn how to tell a story. Oh, they've only just remembered to turn the American Male's music on. I wish I so turned it back off. they came out of the Dungeon of Doom. This, this is a great off. tune. No. What are you talking about? Who who was it who told us to listen to this backwards again? Was it Finn Martin? I can't remember now. One of our guests. I still haven't. I, I still not going to. Oh, Darren Goss, I think. Yeah, it sounds like saying Goss would do, isn't it? Yeah, it was Gossy. They're wearing pinstripe waistcoats. They're really trying to play into this. Um, basically, part-time wrestlers, part-time escorts gimmick. That is what's yes. happening here. Oh, they're wearing suspenders as well. So, um... Jesus, Jesus come on now, we're British. So, um... Aren't, isn't the Luger heel turn and the Flair heel turn rather similar storylines? Yeah, and they're similar messes for similar reasons, but at least the Horseman saved theirs with a blistering post-turn promo that we just saw. And they didn't why... have Bischoff trying to portray it as a setup all along on the commentary. Yeah, but so... why? Why would you have in two two such similar angles running side by side in the promotion at the same time? Did you want me to answer that why question? Because you know what my answer will be. Go go for it. <sighs> I don't. I kind. I kind of just want to leave it out there. Okay. Anyone who's not sure what the answer is, check out our uh, URL, our Twitter handle, the name yeah. of the fucking podcast. <laughs> Luger and Bagwell wrestling at the moment. The, the storied history these two would have intertwined with each other over the next five years. Hmm. Riggs, meanwhile, the only memorable thing I can think of was... Well, two memorable things I can think of of Riggs is, number one, getting drop-toe-holded on steel steps by Raven and wearing an eye patch for a while. And number two, he told an, uh, a story in a shoot interview about how he, right. was, he was getting heat from management for having a relationship with Nitro Girl Fire, the red-headed right. one. Because they didn't want interactions between the Nitro Girls and the wrestlers. Uh, in his words, there wasn't anything going on. They were friends and there wasn't anything sexual going on. So after they were catching heat about this, they were in a bar and they were like, well, if we're going to get in trouble for it, we might as well do it. And then they started doing it. Which I kind of liked. I, I like that. I, I like the uh, the reason for getting together. Yeah. I, just, yeah. I always remember that story, and he's a very he's a very laid back, chilled guy. You can see why he's good friends with Rob Van Dam. Um, <laughs> so the way he tells that sort of story, you can you can just feel the shrug of the shoulders and the little the little wry smile. I like the fact that you're getting heat with fire. That's uh, quite yeah. Oh quite yes, very good. Oh yeah. Jesus Christ, Luger! What the fuck are you doing? 
Did you see that he he just screwed up a back body drop? He's been how many years has he been wrestling at this point? The Jesus un- wept. The only thing that was missing there was him shouting parkour when he rolled back onto his feet. Okay, so the heels the heels are now cheating against the baby faces, but the heels are getting cheered by the crowd. The heels who beat the shit good, out good of each see, other twenty four yeah, hours. Good before. see the uh yeah, good to see that this um this heel turn's got the desired reaction. Thankfully, it's, sorry, go for it. I was just gonna say, as you know, thankfully the the heel aspect of Lex Luger would get much better soon. It's that shades of grey stuff that was absolutely brilliant, and we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but I was gonna say, because I always like to look, look at this 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 uh, Nitro, not the greatest lineup, because it was up against a taped Monday Night Raw, which uh, had a main event of Razor Ramon v Owen Hart for the Intercontinental Championship. But in a uh, in a little a little trivia note, they had two squash matches on that show. One of them was Marty Jannetty beating a guy called Joe Dorgan, who would later become known as Johnny Swinger. And the Smoking Guns had a tag match against Phil Apollo and John Reckner, who, of course, later became Bulls Mahoney. So um, some big name squashes in there. Yeah, ECW alumni. Indeed. I like and then, um, Swinger, so... Yeah, and then the great thing is you then look at the next next week's show where they're up against a live Raw, and we've got Sting and Ric Flair and Chris Benoit Vietti Guerrero. So we've uh, we've kind of shifted the dial a little bit from Luger and Meng for the American males. Yeah, and the thing is, is certain aspects of this show haven't offended me. The matches haven't been great. But as I said, early on with with Guerrero Pittman, little bit of the Hoss battle, you're offering, so you, you know, you're not taking up too much time with it. Certainly not 17 minutes for Luger versus Ming or or the, we're going well over five minutes now in this tedious tag match that we're desperately trying to find other things to talk about during. Uh, yeah. But, it, you know, you go at a brisk pace, you keep it varied. And to, for me, that is what a, a wrestling TV is all about. You're not expecting the marquee matches every time. I know they're trying to sell no. certain marquee matches to, to compete with Raw. But you keep things going at a brisk pace and keep things, even the crap things inoffensive. And people will forget that they can change the channel. They just You kind of just get into watching it. Yeah, incidentally, I've just looked up and the following week on Raw, they had uh, the guy who had later become known as Rhino in a squash match against Henry Godwin. And that's more interesting than looking... It's more interesting to look that up than watch this match. Yeah, well, further to my point, have you noticed how our minds are wandering here? And if you've got the option of switching the channel with Raw on the other side, you see what the problem is there? We didn't have that problem during Pittman-Guerrero. Even when Pittman was trying to give Eddie pins and needles in one arm. Bagwell's uh, made the hot tag. He's on fire. Not literally. But it's got to be said, Bagwell and Luger. Oh, Luger's done a backdrop properly. Well done. Bagwell and Luger are working really well together here. They always did. I mean, don't get me wrong. There were nights where they dogged it, but they clearly had more interest in working with each other than with others. It was almost click-esque. Like the click always preferred to work with each other, didn't they? Yes. So um, Bagwell's got the cover on Luger after uh, after 
Scotty Riggs helped him out, but the ref was distracted, and now Meng's hit some kind of kick to the back of the head of uh, Bagwell, with the ref distracted by Jimmy Hart and the Taskmaster. And now Luger has got Bagwell up in the torture act. The crowd are on their feet, cheering and clapping like they should for any good heel, because the heel turns work really well. And Luger wins it for his team with the torture act. Well... I'll tell you what. They and when put- we come back, the footage from last night, or the Finally. photos anyway. Well, they portrayed the American males as formidable there, and they needed to cheat to win. Uh, can you imagine if WWE just did that every once in a while? You just don't get that in, in current-day WWE programming. So many so-called established stars are treated like jobbers when it's so easy mm. to book a, a more competitive result. Yeah. Oh, we've now got, we've now got Mo, Michael trick or treating Bischoff and Heenan. And he's just got some, and Heenan's got silly string all over his face. Bischoff's really worried that he's going to get caught in a crossfire and get in his Ken doll hair. Yeah. It's like Bukake in a can, isn't it? Oh, this is peak Bischoff hair, 95, isn't it? Absolutely. (laughs) Heenan is selling so much. Oh, we've got actual proper footage of the match. Hogan against Giant. The referee's down. Hogan's done the leg drop. Don't forget, of course, the Giant had previously that evening been thrown off the build, the edge of the uh, Kobo Hall building, allegedly. Uh, the cameraman failed to pick up that the ref is down because Hart decked him, which to be honest oh, might not be a happened? bad one to miss, depending on what way you look he, at it. Yeah. But now Hart is, yeah, Hart is feigning not knowing why the ref's like that, and they're both going to help him up. So at this point, Hogan is none the wiser that it was Hart that stopped him from winning the match. Now he's oh, shoved Hart's him down. Twatted him in the back with, with the title belt, which Hogan's no-sold, which is right because it was an awful-looking shot and Jimmy Hart's a manager. So, yeah, it all makes sense. And now we've got the bear hug in the middle of the ring, which means which means that the Yeti's surely got to emerge covered in toilet roll. Please don't show that part. This is, if they show this, this is one of the single most infamous moments in WCW history. And that covers a lot yes. of ground. Oh, yes. They're beating the shit out of Hogan. The crowd are reacting. Oh, Savage, Savage and Luger coming to the ring. Luger really not... Luger taking his time. The Yeti! Ron Reese, because Giant Gonzalez wasn't around. Luger's kicking the shit out of Savage. The crowd are kind of noisy, but not very animated. Well, oh, shit, they're going to show happening, it. happening, but it's the stuff that is happening that has a long-term effect. Here it comes. And Oh, Christ. It's some sort of gangbang with Hogan now. I don't know and they what, are doing the what, thrusting motions of a sexual act. Yeah, and, and I don't know how Yeti's meant to be helping here because he's got his arms around the giant's neck, which has got nothing to do with Hogan. We don't exaggerate because we disapprove of the angle. They literally moved in a sexual way with their hips. 
Uh, now Luger's got Hogan up in the torture rack, so Luger's a full-fledged heel. Luger's a full-fledged heel. They've all turned their back on the world champion, but don't forget, of course, the world champion wants to be a heel as well. Well, there's one way in which this makes sense, and that's if you're setting up Luger as a serious challenger for Hogan on a pay-per-view. Well, first, they've done that on Nitro already. Secondly, they're now portraying the giant as being the champion. He's not the champion, but he's got the belt. And yes, third, Giovanni has made that very clear. He said, "You are not the world champion." So. And, and and third, Hogan's not going to be on those WTV for several months. No. So that's one the only way which made, could have yeah. made sense. Yes. One way. One thing they haven't made clear, by the way, is that uh, the giant is not Andre the Giant's son. But hey. No, they, they didn't even denounce it. They just kind of quietly stopped doing it, didn't they? When yes. they realised it may have been an incy-wincy bit distasteful. Yes. And you know you know that the giant is in his lean years here because uh, the belt fits around his waist, which wouldn't happen yes. too much when he was Big Show. Okay, so, ho- so Jimmy Hart's just done his promo. It's time for Luger. You could do a good job of tying it. The whole thing, obviously, it was a it was a joke of Hogan to be dressed in black and trying to act edgy and tweenery. But you could tie in that he had a right to be paranoid because Jimmy Hart was working with the Giant and getting uh, Luger to turn on him. Sullivan's now doing an impression of Hogan, a la Pillman and Flair earlier. Seems to be a common... Yeah. Imagine imagine if he was genuinely having some kind of seizure on national TV and everyone was just like, oh, he's selling the angle. Luke is actually referencing the fact that Hogan didn't trust him. Say say what you will about Luger's in-ring efforts, but... He, uh, he's done a better effort than anyone else to tie this in as a storyline. <laughs> ah, Sullivan. On the if only Sullivan told him, I told you you should have just kept it as a Hitler moustache. Yeah. <laughs> And where's his granny outfit? Well, on the on the plus side, this is the closest that anything with the Dungeon of Doom name has come to looking formidable and an actual threat to Hogan. Giant and yes, Luger. Yes, because you've got that. Luger and Giant, yeah. And to think they would be the babyface biggest threats to Hulk Hogan in the summer of 97. It's funny how it goes full circle. And, and that was our uh, main event, and... apparently. And yeah, and with that we are um we are we are done. That's the end of it, and we'll be back next week from uh, Jacksonville, Florida, apparently. So uh, so yeah, so no sign of Hogan. He disappears, you say, for a good old while while still being the world champion. Um, how bizarre! Why did they didn't put the belt on the giant? No one knows, but oh, it would have involved Hogan losing, and because WCW. Yeah, so they're one and the same for pretty much from here yes. until their demise now. Oh, sorry, back yes. at the beach 2000 when they finally Indeed. got a coveted few months without him. 
could die in peace and quiet. But um, yeah. this this episode wasn't very good. Uh, it started. It was, off... a, it was a fail if it was a pass or a fail. The best match for me was was Guerrero and Pittman. Well, it's a great example, Dean, that a match doesn't have to be flawless or perfect or really, really cool to get a pass. It was it was enjoyable enough. They told a good story, and I'm more interested than watching in watching Pittman like try and find his feet out, and I'm watching guys like Luger and Meng just really phone it in for a prolonged period of time. So I think that's where things really. We said the same. It's it's not as if Norton versus Shark was great. But they kept it short and they got the point across. They're two big hosses who could break buildings with their fire and the ring can't contain them. And you have to hope it builds the same down the line. I'm not even sure if it does. But at least they, with their time, they did what they set to accomplish. Uh, Sabu, Disco Inferno, was a complete disaster. The Horseman promo was great. Luger and Hart added a little bit of common sense to what was an absolute disaster of a of a storyline and an angle with Hogan and the Yeti. Now, with no Hogan or Yeti on the actual show, it was, it was a bit more bearable. But at the end of the day, if you watched Havoc 95 and then tuned into the show, you know that that pay-per-view was a piece of garbage. And you haven't really missed much by missing Nitro if you bought the pay-per-view, but hey. No, yeah, they're, they're really struggling. They still need to get the... And that's why it's going to be important when we take this into 96... We're going to see more of a... I think for, for at least a little point of time, Bischoff did get a good hang of, of tying into the pay-per-views. It kind of went off a cliff when Egos took over and we got loads of non-finishes and titles being returned. But the, there was a period in time, I distinctly recall, where the storytelling was just must-watch. It wasn't just that the storyline was really cool. It was all set up where you knew something was going to happen. You knew that the next thing that would happen wasn't going to make every Everything before it completely irrelevant. You'll notice that about all the best TV shows. You can watch them again and again. It's not like season five of of Breaking Bad completely undoes all the work of the other four seasons. As a result, everyone remembers it. Everyone rewatches it. That's an important yeah. thing to remember. And they, they they haven't got the hang of that yet. And it's another it's another shitty episode. But you know. Your your teaser for next week has me looking forward to it, and I'm a glutton for punishment anyway. And things are going to pick up with a bit of Hogan absence and a few other yeah. aspects being tied in very, very soon. And let's face it, you can't go wrong with Sting v. Flair and Guerrero against Benoit. Exactly. So, uh, it really does yes. feel like we've now, now that the infamous Hogan-Yeti thing has finished, and even though we haven't covered the pay-per-view in a pay-per-view episode, even though we've had to just watch it, it feels like, you know, I always say it's darkest before the dawn. I think we're slowly going to come to the genesis of what made Nitro great. We're going to get little things like the, like the Horseman and, and Savage as champion facing Flair and little things like that. And then we're just going to go, when we get to May, it's going to go full-fledged, boom, via Sting and Luger and a few other cool things. The tag's title yeah. scene gets a little better. So hopefully that is it. We've got the worst out of the way now for the next hopefully for the next couple of years. Well, 
the, the other thing I was thinking was that, you know, Halloween Havoc seems to be a popular choice of pay-per-view for our guests, but I don't know anyone who's going to want to put their name to, yep, I have specifically requested the pay-per-view where the Giant and the Yeti have live sex with Hulk Hogan. Paul Benson. That's true. Sorry, Paul. Well, mate. But, um, yes. yeah, I, I won't complain if we don't, because it does feel like we've covered that by doing the nitros that encompass it. And as you said, there, there's been a lot of, you know, Halloween Havoc's one of the most memorable things they did. It's, it, it might not have been their absolute number one pay-per-view, but it was super marketable. And obviously everyone remembers them very fondly, even the ones that shouldn't be remembered fondly. So, uh, yeah, we've had, we've, we've had a lot of requests and we've covered a lot of them. And for that reason alone, I wouldn't mind if we covered a few other things first. But who knows, if someone asks to do it and they want to come on the show, you know, me and you, ever, ever, ever troopers, we'll do it. Or, or indeed, if uh, if our Twitter followers uh, decide to vote for it in a poll. I won't give them the opportunity. No Excellent. Way. If uh, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can find us uh, at because WCW um, and facebook.com forward slash because WCW. Um, be great to hear from you. Um, do give us a follow. We'll, we'll follow you back. We're nice like that. Um, in the meantime, I guess we'll wrap this one up. We'll have another watch along soon. And we're also uh, still working on some, some good guests. So uh, that is all in the pipeline. So thank you ever so much for taking the time to download this episode. On behalf of my co-host, Liam Hatt, this is a Twisted Genius Dean saying, I'll see you ringside.